Well, hey, before we dive in and as we continue to give, uh, just one other quick thing that I wanted to celebrate with you all. Uh, at the end of our time together last Sunday, I told you that we had a group of middle school and high school students in our church that needed to go to summer camp with us this summer, but they couldn't afford it. And so I asked you to give to help send these kids to camp. Well, our goal was to raise 4000 bucks, and together, I'm happy to share this with you, together we gave $4,662. How insane is that? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let me just say I'm proud of you as a church for investing in these students. And, uh, and because you gave, every student who needed help going to camp now gets to go to camp. So it's awesome. Pray for them and all that God wants to do in their life while they're there. Well, uh, let's grab our Bibles if we have them. We're in week four of a series on the Ten Commandments called Living Free. And uh, if you're new to church, new to Bible reading, Exodus, that's where we're going to be, the book of Exodus, chapter 20. It's really easy to find. Uh, it's the second book of the Bible. So just go to the beginning, flip past Genesis, and you'll find it. Exodus chapter 20, all right? All right, question to get us started. How many of us in the room love to work? Or, or we at least feel like we live to work, right? Up before the sun, getting stuff done. Uh, we're in the office early. We stay late. We work on, on the weekends, at home in the evenings. Vacations, right? Not for you, people who love and live to work, not really vacations, are they? Because you're still answering uh, phone calls, you're returning emails. How many of us would fall in this category? All right, decent amount of us. Now, here's a real question. How many of us love to rest? We love to relax. Like, if it were up to us, we'd sleep till lunch every day, get some work done in our PJs, of course, take a nap, uh, go on vacation every other week. Who would fall in that category? More of us than, than the work. I'm kind of scared, but uh, glad you're here today, all right? Look, it doesn't matter which side of the fence you fall on. Today's message is for you. Uh, in the fourth commandment, God gives us instruction on work and rest. And we're going to learn today that true freedom is found in working and resting according to his instruction. You see, you know like I know that we live in a culture that promotes the false idea that freedom means doing whatever it is you want to do. But we know that that's not true because anytime a person does what they want to do, they always end up enslaved to something. Money, sex, power, uh, food, pornography, some kind of substance. Instead, we've been learning that freedom its not doing what you want to do. Freedom is living how you were meant to live. Can I just tell you, contrary to what some of us think and believe, God is for our freedom. He's for our freedom. So much so that 2,000 years ago, he sent his son into the world to free us. And God, who is a good, loving father, like good, loving fathers do, he gives us as his kids rules, commandments, boundaries to live within that we might experience the freedom Jesus has paid for and provided and this is exactly what we find him doing here in the fourth commandment. You see, God knows if we work like we want to work and we rest like we want to rest, we will most likely go to one extreme or the other. We'll become workaholics and we'll kill ourselves in hopes of being successful and productive. And can we just be honest? Most oftentimes when we do that, uh, it's because we're failing to trust God and we're trusting in ourselves. We don't see God as provider. We think of ourselves as provider. And so all we do is work. The other extreme is this, we become lazy. We become lazy and we spend the rest of our lives in our parents' basements playing video games. To keep us from heading in either direction, because God loves us, he gives us instruction. Here's what he says, starting in verse 8 
uh, Exodus chapter 20. Read it with me. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now, in an effort to keep this really, really simple for us, I want to break this commandment down into three parts. The what, the how, and the why. And then along the way, we'll answer some questions that the what, how, and why raise for us today. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. What's God calling us to do in commandment number four? What is he instructing his people to do? Well, well here it is. He's saying, remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. For the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, the Sabbath was a period of time that lasted from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And the people were to use that time to worship God and to rest in Him. Now, remembering it meant more than just acknowledging it. It's not like the people walked around going, hey, do you remember? Remember? It's a Sabbath day, right? Just wanted to make sure you remembered. Instead, God says you remember the day by keeping it holy. That word holy means set apart. And so the idea is that the people would remember the day by setting it apart to the Lord. And I'll give you a picture of this, all right? Uh, every year when my anniversary rolls around, March 12th, 2005, yes, I remember, all right? When it rolls around, I don't crawl out of bed and say to my wife, I remembered. Aren't you glad you're married to a guy like me who remembers days like this that would not fly in my house? No, I remember that day by setting it apart to my wife and putting in extra effort to make the day special for her so that she knows just how much I love her. That's the idea here, that the people of God would set apart an entire day to God to express their love for him in a special and unique way. Now, this raises a question, all right? The question's this, should we still practice the Sabbath today? Like, is this for us as New Testament non-Jewish Christians? And it's an important question because the fourth commandment is the only commandment out of the ten that is not repeated in the New Testament. You will not find a chapter or verse anywhere that tells New Testament believers to observe the Sabbath. But here's how I'd answer the question. Should we still practice it? I would say yes. Based on what we see in the New Testament, I would say it's very wise for us to practice the Sabbath. Jesus practiced the Sabbath. His disciples practiced the Sabbath. Even after his resurrection from the dead, the early church still set aside a day to the Lord to rest in him and worship him. Uh, they didn't do it on Saturday, and they didn't call it the Sabbath. They did it on Sunday, and they called it the Lord's Day. That's why you and I today still worship Jesus on Sunday. We worship him on the first day of the week, the day of his resurrection. Now, I'll say this. Look, if you're somebody in the room uh, who's like me and Sunday's not much of a day of rest for you, I preach four times every Sunday. I don't go home feeling rested. I go home feeling exhausted. If you're like me, maybe you're a doctor, a nurse, a paramedic, a firefighter, a police officer, like you're in a service position that requires you to work certain Sundays, I would say to you, you need to find another day to practice Sabbath. I practice Sabbath on Fridays. That's my day to unplug, to rest, to enjoy the Lord, to enjoy my family. And so I'd say to you, uh, in accordance with what Paul wrote in Romans 14, 5, and 6, it doesn't really matter what day of the week you set aside. 
What matters is that you set aside a day. Just practice it, all right? Now, secondly, that's the what. Remember the Sabbath. Uh, The next question is how. How do we do it? If we're supposed to remember it, how do we remember it? Well, here's what God says in the passage. Work six days, rest one day. Work six days, rest one day. He says to his people, I'm giving you six days to get all your work done. Six days to do everything it is you need to do. But on the seventh day, I want you to rest. Don't do any work. Don't make your kids work. Don't make your servants work. Your lives. Kids in the room, bust that out on your parents. Hey, it's a rest day. I can't do any work today. There you go, parents. I just gave you some homework. Figure that out, all right? Don't make any guests in your homework. Just, just don't work. Don't do any work. This commandment, it was for the entire nation of Israel, uh, regardless of where you fell on the social ladder or on the food chain. What I love about the how is this. It gives us a picture of the rhythm, God's prescribed rhythm for work and rest. Have you ever heard someone make the statement, I wish I could live a more balanced life? You ever heard that? If I could just find a better balance between work, uh, school, friends, hobbies, spouse, kids, If I could find a better balance, I think I would be less stressed out. I think I'd feel so much more rested. How many of us have ever felt that way or been there? Anybody? All right, can I free you up? You ready? Don't miss this. Look, balance is a myth. It's a myth. Your life will never be balanced. You can thank me later for that good news. It just won't. If you're anything like me, you spend way more time working than doing anything else. And so if you strive for balance, you'll always be frustrated. What you should strive for is rhythm. Rhythm. This is the way God designed the universe to work, in rhythm. And all you need to do is look at creation to see what I mean. Our hearts beat. Our lungs breathe in and out. We wake. We sleep. Night turns into day. Day turns into night again. Seasons change from winter to spring to summer to fall. Everything in the universe works in rhythm And the same is true regarding work and rest. And and what's the rhythm? Work six days, rest one day. Work six days, rest one day. Now, let me say two things about this rhythm before we keep going, all right? Number one, this is stuff to write down if you're taking notes. Number one, number one, this rhythm reminds us that hard work is important to God. God says to work how many days? Six days. Man, aren't we so lucky? A lot of us, we actually only work five days. But God says, it gives you an extra day to do whatever you need to do around your house. Take six days, get your work done. This lets us know that these six days are important to God because they give the people of God an opportunity to make much of God through their work. Colossians 3.17 tells us that in whatever we do, and hear me, uh, work would fall into that whatever category. In whatever we do, we should do it to the glory of God. Here's a question. When's the last time you ever showed up to your workplace and you thought to yourself, I have an opportunity to worship God through my work today. I I would bet that a lot of us in the room have never had that thought cross our mind, right? Because as people, we oftentimes see work as work and what we do here on Sundays as worship. But according to the word of God, your work is worship. Your willingness to work along with the way you work, it says something about the God you claim to believe in. This is why as Christians, we should work harder than anybody else in our companies. We should do what, what nobody else wants to do with a smile on our face, with a great attitude. Uh, students in the room who know Jesus. This is why you should work harder than any other student in your school, at your university. Right, go to class. Pay attention. Do your homework. 
Put in the extra effort to do well, all to the glory of God. Uh, I'll say this because I love you as your pastor. This is why some of us need to get a job. Right? I mean, as your pastor, I have to say hard things at times, but it's because I love you. So let me just say it. Laziness dishonors God. Some of us are lazy. And we need to repent of our laziness, get out of bed early tomorrow, work on our resume, put in some applications somewhere, and start working hard all for the glory of God. Hard work honors him. He honors hard work. Now, secondly, the next thing this rhythm reminds us of is that while hard work is important, we should never worship hard work. One of the greatest clues that you worship hard work is that you refuse to rest. And I'll make my case, all right? Uh, some of us in the room, we don't use our work to worship God. Work is our God, and we worship it. We're breaking commandment number one. We're worshiping the wrong God. We're also breaking commandment number two because work is an idol in our lives. And you know it's an idol because you make sacrifices to it week in and week out. You sacrifice your marriage to it your kids to it, your time to it. Uh, you sacrifice your emotional, physical, and even spiritual health to that idol. All you do is work. You never rest. And by doing so, you dishonor God by refusing to set aside any time to him. I mean, would you think about this with me? All God asks for is a day. One day. I mean, he could have turned the tables on us and said, hey, uh, get all your work done in one day and give me six days but he didn't. He said, get it all done in six days and then give one day back to me. Let, let me just say this, workaholics in the room, because I love you, your worship of hard work is sin. You're worshiping the wrong God. You have an idol in your life, and what you need to do is repent of your hard work and ask God to change your heart that you might rest in him. Now, the how, it raises a question as well. The question's this. Uh, if we're supposed to take a day and rest... Like, if this really is the prescribed rhythm, and on this one day we're not supposed to do any work, what does that mean? What does it mean to not work on this one day? I mean, what can or can't we do? I remember living in Miami, Florida, and my wife and I, we, we lived in this apartment complex right on Miami Beach. It was awesome. Missed those days. But uh, we lived on the eighth floor. My wife was in the ele elevator coming back up to our apartment on a Saturday, and she gets on the elevator with this Israeli girl. Well, the girl comes in, and she looks at my wife, and my wife looks at her, and there's this awkward exchange. And then the girl finally says to my wife, hey, could you push the button for me? It's my holy day. Some of us might wonder, is that what it means? James like, can I do anything? Am I supposed to just sit on my hands all day and be bored? Fair question, right? Fair question. It's a question the religious leaders of Jesus' day wrestled with. These people were called the Pharisees. And I'll say they took it to an unhealthy extreme, all right? For example, uh, these guys had a rule that, that a person should not look in a mirror on the Sabbath day. If they looked in a mirror, they might see a gray hair, be tempted to pluck it out, and if they plucked it out, they'd be guilty of doing work. They had another rule that uh, you shouldn't eat eggs laid by hens on the Sabbath day because those eggs were a product of what? Of work. Here's one of my favorites. And this sounds so insane, like... You just wonder, is this really true? I promise it's true. They had a rule that if a wall fell onto someone on the Sabbath day, you could only remove enough of the rubble to figure out if the person was okay or not. And if they were okay, you had to leave them there until the Sabbath was over. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine? Billy, you all right under there? Yeah, bro, I'm good. All right, well, don't die on me. I'll be back later to get you out. It's like, no, bro, sin and get the wall off me. It's insane. 
Look, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can be like that concerning the Sabbath. If we're not careful, we can be like the Pharisees regarding this day. We can forget what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 2, that, that man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. In other words, God gave us the Sabbath not to confine and restrict us, but as a gift of his grace that we might know spiritual, physical, and even emotional rejuvenation. So let me go back to the question. What can or can't you do on this day of rest? Here's what I'd say. This one day should just look different than the other six days. That's how I'd answer it. You need to do something different on that day than you do throughout the rest of the week. If that's not happening, like if you're still doing work that drains you and sucks the life out of you, you're getting it wrong. Getting it right means resting in the Lord, spending time worshiping Him, and doing things that bring you life, that fill you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. I'll talk more about that in a few moments, all right? Before we do, let's answer the last question, which is the why. All right, if, if what is remember the Sabbath, and how is we work six days and we rest one day, why should we do it? Why should we do it? Especially knowing that the New Testament doesn't instruct us to do it. Why should we do it? Well, I'm going to give you some practical reasons in a moment that I think will be helpful. But before I get there, I need to give you the theological reason. The theological reason is what matters most, and it's the reason God points us to in our passage for today. Here it is. God worked, God rested. God worked, God rested. The fourth commandment is the oldest commandment. It dates all the way back to creation. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the Bible says that God created everything in existence in six days. And then on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. He rested. But I need you to know, he didn't rest because he was exhausted. It's not like God finished all his work and he went, so glad day seven's finally here so I can kick my feet up. Man, I'm beat. God has unlimited power. He had just as much power on day seven that he did on day one. The reason God rested on day seven was to enjoy the work of his creation. Why should we work? Why should we rest? Why should we practice Sabbath? Because we serve a working, resting God. We work because God worked. We rest because God rested. When you and I follow this pattern, we bear the image of God in the world. And not only that, look, we allow ourselves time to enjoy not only creation, but God as our creator. Now, with that theological foundation laid, let me give you some practical reasons for observing the Sabbath, all right? Here we go, five reasons. Number one, to worship Jesus with his people. To worship Jesus with his people. Every time Sabbath rolled around for the nation of Israel, it gave them an opportunity to worship God alongside the people of God. And when you and I practice Sabbath correctly today, we have the same opportunity. Please hear me. What we're doing here today matters. More than some of us realize more than we might like to admit. I know people say at times, uh, I don't really need church. I don't need to go to some building to worship God. I can worship God in the woods, on my, on my couch, in front of my TV. But the truth is, we need this. And we need each other. right? God didn't put his son on a cross so that we could walk through life alone. He put his son on a cross to save us into a family, his family, which means we're stuck with each other. You get that right? We're in this together for the rest of eternity. Now, some of us, you're worried like you're looking around going, that guy, yeah, that guy too. He's with us. If he knows Jesus, he's in. So here's what it means. We might as well, while we're here, figure out how to love each other well and how to worship Jesus together side by side. 
in light of that, let me say this. At the risk of sounding legalistic, which I'm absolutely not, I despise legalism, but I'm going to say this. Look, you should be here as consistently as possible on Sundays. In an age and day where church attendance is all over the map, average church attender comes twice a month, I would say I pray our church is different. I pray our church sets a different standard for ourselves. Yes, I know coming to church doesn't make you any more Christian than standing in your garage makes you a car. But I also believe that what we do here on Sundays is vitally important to our spiritual lives, both individually and corporately as a church. Look, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not let the busyness of life crowd out your opportunity to come together each week with the people of God to worship him. Can we just agree before we go, before we move on? He deserves this time. Amen? Amen. All right, number two, to have fun with people you enjoy. I love this. Uh, do you know that God delights in his kids enjoying life and having fun? If you hang out with religious people, you might not think so. Right, religious people got mad at Jesus all the time for enjoying life and having fun. Kids are running around him. People wanted to be with him wherever he was. Jesus got invited to parties. He ne uh, they never got invited to parties. Religious people aren't fun. That's why I'm grateful that God doesn't call us to be religious. He calls us to be like Jesus. So guess what that means? We can enjoy life. We can have fun. We can actually be people that other people enjoy being around. Isn't that great news? Here's the deal with Sabbath. It gives us an opportunity to enjoy life and to have fun with people we enjoy being with. So on this, this day of rest, don't sit around and be lame. Go have fun. Go on a hike. Go to the lake. Go see a movie. Go out to eat. Spend time with your wife, your kids, your friends, your small group. Just do something and make some memories. Enjoy this day with people you enjoy. Number three, to recharge yourself. Uh, here's a friendly word of wisdom. If you neglect regular Sabbath, eventually you will be forced to take a Sabbath. If you work for rest instead of from rest, eventually you'll work yourself into rest. How do I know this? Because it's been my experience. Like I've always had a hard time going 100 miles an hour. Always had a hard time slowing down, saying no to people, saying no to opportunities. And as a result, I have neglected regular rest. And over time, I started to notice a pattern in my life. I would go and go and go and, and give it all I, would, I, I had for such a long period of time. And then out of nowhere, I'd come crashing down, I'd end up sick, and I'd be in the bed for a week. Forced sabbatical. Some of you are like this, aren't you? You're like me. You go, you go, you go. You think you're like the Energizer Bunny. You're not, right? And once or twice a year, you come to grips with that fact as a result of neglecting regular rest. You don't practice Sabbath, and eventually you come crashing down forced sabbatical. If this is you, I'll give you some hope. You can correct this by the grace of God. I know you can because I, I'm proof. I don't get it right all the time. My assistant can tell you that. My wife can tell you that. Our elders can tell you that. But I can tell you I have made progress in this area of my life. Praise God that he doesn't call us to be perfect. He just calls us to make progress, right? That's the sign you know Jesus. Is there progress in your life? I'm making progress. You can make progress. But it takes a willingness to do so. Can I just tell you, setting aside a day each week to the Lord to rest in him and worship him, it takes courage, it takes willpower, it takes a willingness to say no to good things that you might say yes to the best things. That's some of our issue, isn't it? Some of us have a hard time saying no to anything. And so we kill ourselves. 
You need to learn to say no to some things that you might say yes to the best thing. So let me give you permission, all right? You ready? Just get some rest. Set aside a day of the Lord and recharge physically, emotionally, spiritually. I promise you, look, the world will go on without you if you take a day off. God will still be on his throne. He'll still be sovereign. He'll still be in control, unlike you. And you resting is your way to acknowledge that. Sleep in, take a nap, kick your feet up, read a book, spend time with the Lord, recharge yourself. Number four, this is huge, one of my favorites. Number four, you should practice Sabbath to rest in your freedom. In Deuteronomy chapter five, Moses, he gets the nation of Israel together and he reads them the Ten Commandments. But in Deuteronomy 5, he gives an additional reason to observe the fourth commandment that we don't find in Exodus 20. And I'm going to read it to you, all right? Uh, We'll have it on the screens so you can see it there. But here's what he says, Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We've been learning in this series that about seven weeks before this moment in Exodus chapter 20, where God gave the Ten Commandments, he freed his people from over 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but most of the time, slaves, all they do is work. This was true for the people of God. They worked every day, all day, 365 days a year, never got a day off until God freed them. God freed them, and then he said, I want you to take a day off. And this day off... I want you to set it apart to me. And Moses says in Deuteronomy 5, look, every time this day rolls around, you need to be reminded of what God has done to set you free. Can I tell you that practicing Sabbath today gives us the same opportunity? It gives us the opportunity to remember the freedom that belongs to us because of Jesus. Sabbath reminds us that we don't work to earn God's approval. We don't work to earn God's acceptance. We don't work so that God will love us. We don't work our way into freedom, right? He frees us. I love it. Sabbath sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Every other religion tells us to do something for God. Work your way to God. Make your way to God. Free yourself. Christianity says you can't do anything for God. You can't work yourself into God's good graces. You can't make your way to him. You can't free yourself, which is why the God of the universe made his way to you. 2,000 years ago, he wrapped himself in flesh and came to this earth as Jesus Christ. And he lived, died, and rose again to free us from sin, death, and hell. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He opened the way for us to know God, to be loved by God, accepted by God. He, he, and he and he alone is the one who can not only free us from sin, death, and hell, but usher us into new and eternal life. Look, please don't miss it. If you're sleeping, just look real quick. Look, I believe some of us in this room today need that kind of freedom. We need that kind of rest. Maybe you walked in and you're still believing that that being free and, and having God's acceptance and having God's approval, it all depends on you. Like in your mind, you're still thinking Christianity is all about what you do for God. Can I just free you up? Look, Christianity is about what God has done for you. And if you're working to earn God's favor, if you're trying to to work and be a good person so that you might be free from whatever's holding you in bondage, you're wasting your time. You're doing something that's impossible for you, but that Jesus has already done for you. 
And so I would say to you, quit working for what Jesus wants to freely give. You need freedom. You need hope. You need new life. You look to him. You trust in him. And what's beautiful about the gospel is this. It's good news that tells us that Jesus invites us to come to him just as we are. You could be the, the most heathen person in the room today, and Jesus says, you come just like that. That's how I want you. I don't need you to clean yourself up. I don't need you to fix anything. I don't need you to prove yourself. All your baggage, all your sin, all your mistakes, that's how I want you. You come to me with all that, and I'll do something about it. His salvation is a free gift. And when you receive it, Jesus goes to work to free you from whatever's holding you in bondage. If you need that freedom, man, I'm going to give you a chance to, to come into it before you leave today, all right? One last thing before we get there. Number five. Why should we remember the Sabbath? To prepare for future rest. To prepare for future rest. As I was reading the story of the nation of Israel again this past week, uh, I just thought to myself, man, they give us such a good picture of who we are today. Here they are, freed from slavery, wandering in the wilderness, longing for the promised land God had given them. This land was meant to be, for them, a land of rest. For those of us who know Jesus, God has promised us a land of rest. Hebrews 4, 8 through 10 compares heaven to an eternal Sabbath. Not meaning that we're going to show up to heaven and just sit around and do nothing for the rest of eternity. But when we get to heaven, we will know what it means to truly rest. We'll be there with Jesus, our Savior, the one who set us free. And for the rest of eternity, we'll know life in the way it was meant to be. In a place where there is no sin, no suffering, no disease, no pain, no death. Here's the opportunity before us now. We rest to prepare ourselves for that future rest. We set aside a day to the Lord each week, and we rest in Him to get a small taste of what eternity will be like. Listen, if you have never come into a relationship with Jesus, you won't know that rest until you do. That's where it has to start for you. So again, in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to come into it, but in closing, I'll just say this, and then we're done. This past week, uh, man, I, I had an opportunity to experience the power of Sabbath, to experience the power of rest. Uh, we took our staff on a prayer retreat at the beginning of the week up to Windshape in Rome, Georgia, at Berry College. And uh, on one of the afternoons, we actually went up to what's called the House of Dreams. This was Martha Berry's getaway home. She took all kinds of famous people up there. And so here we are on top of this mountain. This home is secluded. You have to have, like, special permission to get up there. And uh, the view was just unreal. It actually... Uh, allows you to see into some of the neighboring states. So I'm sitting here at this table. I have my Bible in hand. I have a book in my hand, and I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm resting. And on top of that mountain, man, I'll tell you, I, I had what I would call a holy moment with God. He felt closer than the clothes I was wearing. And we got down, we gathered the team together, and we all took some time just to share what God had done in our lives, what we had prayed for, uh, what we heard from God while we were there. And it was interesting. All of us kept saying the same things. I feel so at peace. I feel so refreshed. We feel so, so rested. feel like we have met with God. Look, that's the beauty of resting in the Lord. Some of us need to change the way we think today. I guarantee you there's still somebody sitting in this room after this whole message thinking, where am I going to find a whole day to do this? Where am I going to find a whole day to just rest in the Lord? Can we just stop and be amazed by the fact that the Lord of the universe would want us to take a whole day to rest in Him? We say we find trouble finding time 
to rest in God, how about the fact that God has found time for us to rest in Him? Sabbath reminds us that we serve a God who delights in the presence of His people. And Sabbath gives us an opportunity to delight in our good, gracious God. So as we close, we're just going to practice what this day's for. We're going to rest in our freedom. We're going to celebrate it. We're going to worship the God that this day belongs to. But before we do that, I want to give those of us in the room who need to enter the freedom and rest that only Jesus offers, I want to give you the opportunity to come in, all right? So let's bow our heads all across the room. I just want to invite you, forget about what's going on around you. Forget about your friends, your your spouse, your kids for a moment. Just, Just get alone in your seat with the Lord. If you're that person who's here today and you need hope, you need freedom, freedom from something in your life, You need life to change. And if you're that person who's been working on your own to try and change things, and today you finally realize, man, you can't change anything. Jesus has to do it for you. And you need to come into a relationship with him. I want to help you do it. Jesus loves you. He wants to change you. He wants you to live the life that God created you to live. He doesn't want you to miss out on freedom. And again, the good news is he invites you to come to him just as you are, if you have never put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, if you have never called on Him and asked Him to take control of your life, make this moment that moment. Right in your seat, just pray something like this to God. Say, God, I'm done working to change myself. Got to confess today that I cannot change me. I can't free myself from anything. I believe that Jesus can do it for me. And so I put my faith in Him as Savior, as Lord. I believe that He died on the cross to free me from my sins. That He rose from the dead. That I might have new and eternal life. And so God, in this moment, I'm asking you, take control of my life. Make me into the person you created me to be. So that I can know the life you meant me to live. God, give me freedom today. I say yes to Jesus. Look, with heads still bowed and eyes still closed all around the room, if you just pray that with me, if you just put your faith in Jesus for the first time, would you just look up at me? It's just me and you, nobody else, nobody else. Just look at me. For those of you that are looking at me, let me just say this first and foremost. Welcome to the family of God. You just made the most important decision you'll ever make in eternity. Your decision to follow Jesus, it changes everything. God promises that right now, because of the faith you just expressed in Him, you're a loved son, you're a loved daughter, you're in His family. Nothing can ever change that. And His commitment to you is this. From this day forward, He's going to be working on you. He's going to change you. He's going to do whatever it takes to bring you into His freedom. That's the God we serve. That's the God you now know and belong to. And so welcome to the family of God. The second thing uh, is an ask, all right? And it's a small ask, but it's going to require some courage on your part. In just a moment, we're all going to stand and we're going to sing together. We're going to respond. And what I want to ask you to do is this. Instead of just staying at your seat, would you push past whoever's in your way or, or get one of your friends or family members to come with you? But out in the lobby, our prayer team's going to be there. I have a gift I want to give you. Two resources that are going to help you get started in your relationship with Jesus. 
All we want to do is put them in your hands, celebrate what God's done in your life, and then we're going to send you back in the room to hang out and worship with us, okay? So that's the ask. Let me pray for your courage, and then we're going to stand. I want you to move. We're going to meet you out there, and we're going to respond. So let me pray. God, thank you for my new brothers and sisters that were just looking at me. Thank you that you're a God of salvation, of rest, of freedom, of new life. God, I thank you for giving that gift to these people today who who confessed faith in Jesus for the first time. So, God, my prayer for them specifically is that you give them courage. Don't let them worry about what anybody else thinks, uh, what anybody else uh, is or isn't doing. God, I pray that you move on them and that you'd move them to let somebody know about what you've done in their lives today. God, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for our freedom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.